appreciate that. How many of you are thankful for... Well, I, let me just say it both ways and I'll get 100% cooperation. How many of you are thankful for 2015 and thankful to see it go? <laughs> 100%. I'm guaranteed, guaranteed to get everybody in on that one, right? Uh, man, 2015, uh, kind of, a, kind of a, an amazing year, really, on, especially on pastoral team. Uh, this year, we, we added uh, pastors Trent and Hannah and Everly, uh, the most important part of that family, um, uh, to our pastoral team. And, and then we had other pastoral team members um, add people. Uh, pastors Kevin and Lindsay added uh, baby Ryland and, and um, Ashley and... and um, Ryan added um, baby Landon. I'm, I'm thinking Landon. I almost called Ryan Landon. That was the uh, added Landon. It, it, that's really kind of funny on pastoral team to have three, um, to actually have babies on the pastoral team that have diapers. Uh, young pastoral team, you know, to have three families there. Um, with, with newborn babies this year in 2015. It sure has made pastoral teams interesting uh, when they bring them all. Um, we don't get a lot done. We just play with babies. But, um, you know, moving forward in ministry, I, and I just rejoice with, you know, different ministry initi- initiatives in 2015 that we've done as a church. We... Uh, we've we've greatly expanded in several areas. Our children's ministry, uh, new format. Um, I know many times I've made the statement that I'm not personally suited for children's ministry. But I'll tell you this: um, if if they would have done children's ministry back when I was a part of it, if they would have done children's ministry the way we do children's ministry here, the the the, the whole system that they've developed, um, even I could participate in children's ministry on that level because it's so easy and it's so, it's so organized. And you don't have to do everything. You don't have to be the all-in-all. You're not, you're not thrown into a classroom full of kindergartners and someone locked the door and screamed through the closed door, good luck. As it is in a lot of churches, you know, people are trained, they're trained to do specific jobs. And, and we, find, we find the area of your life where you are, you are best suited and that's what you do. And and, um, you know, I could see myself going from room to room and leading worship or even teaching the lesson. I was never good at crafts, but um, I could see myself doing those other two things. And those are the areas in my life that, that, um, that could be focused on if I were to volunteer in children's ministry here at Triumph. We always need volunteers in kids' ministry. You know how that goes. Youth ministry has expanded greatly. Our youth program on Wednesday nights... Um, looks like an anthill. Um, over 100 young people, average over 100 young people every week now on Wednesday nights with young people just crawling all over the place and, and, and seeing them pray one for another. I mean, that's the most incredible thing about what, what we've seen in 2015 concerning the youth program of this church is that these young people pray with each other. Um, they end services in prayer with each other. And many times, long after we're dismissed in the adult session, the young people are still gathered in groups of five or ten and, and have their arms around each other. And, and 
You know, that's important. It's important to not only grow numerically, but to see them grow spiritually. And, and we've done that. It's been a tremendous year, 2015. We could talk about that. A lot, of, a lot of pastors are probably doing that today. They're probably standing in their pulpits, and they're probably reminiscing over the past year of the different things that, that have taken place. And, you know, I commend our, our youth team, and pastors JP and Nikki, and the development. We've made even some recent changes to even try to do it better and to try to figure out how to, how to, um, how to sustain the growth. How do you continue to minister on this level? And, um, and see more and more young people come in. And, and that, that's just amazing to me. I mean, it's amazing to me to see what God is doing in our church, in our adult ministry, that, that you know, not only are, you know, as Pastor Trump would say, the older ones, um, you know, not only are, are we reinvigorated for the kingdom of God. I mean, I have seen... Um, in 2015, I have seen such a resurgence of desire, uh, indicative of the ministry that we do in ministries uh, that are primarily, primarily ran by um, older folks in our congregation, like the food bank. And I know there's a lot of younger ones that are helping, but it's amazing to me to see how, how our church gets behind uh, these endeavors and these people volunteer and give of their time and give of their effort, and even of their finances. We blessed several families this year. We had a whole team up here that cooked a Christmas dinner for people on Christmas Day that didn't have any family to spend Christmas with. And so they, they came here to our church, and our food bank team served them dinner, and they had a good Christmas Day and a good Christmas dinner as a part of ministry. And it's just this is an outflow. I mean, uh, Richard and Cindy had this, had this desire, but that's just, I think, indicative of, of the outflow of what we're trying to do here at the church is to love people and to minister to people and to be there for people. And it, and it goes across the board as we look at a church. You know, several years ago, um, we formulated this vision for the church that, that goes like this. We love God. We connect with others. We serve with excellence. Love God, connect with others, serve with excellence. And I mean, I think through the years... And certainly these years that we have stood behind and operated under that particular vision, we understand what love God is. The love God part of our vision is what we do here on Sundays in our worship experiences. Everything we do in our worship, from, from the strategic moments of prayer to the particular songs that we sing to even the messages that are preached, everything is centered on this idea of bringing people closer in relationship with God. That, that somehow, um, in this hour and 15 minutes, that somehow in your life, that uh, you would have some awakening somewhere that God is real and that He is there for you. And our desire here at Triumph, in our weekend experiences, is for people to grow in their relationship with God, for them to love God more. And so you hear our songs. Our songs are very, what we call vertical. Our songs are, are songs that direct people um, to the majesty of God. You, you, you heard that today in the worship set. That's not um, unfamiliar with those of us that, um, that make triumph their home and are here every week. You, you, you've known this pattern that we're probably not going to sing songs that, that don't, um, directly relate to this idea of worshiping God, to pulling your attention on God, to, to sing songs that even go directly to Him. 
uh, such as the final song we sang today, Our Father, a direct song of the Lord's Prayer, a direct prayer song that is strategically planned to help people love God better in their, in their life. We feel like that if we can pull you just a little closer on, in the weekend experience, in your understanding of God or in your relationship with Him or, 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 or somehow or another just, just open your eyes just a little more that it won't seem so rainy outside. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that it won't seem so dreary. That, that, you know, your life doesn't have to be dreary even when it's dreary. That there could be a ray of sunshine that, 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 that peaks itself through the clouds of your concern. That, that peaks itself through that moment of your life that you really question where is God or what is God doing. That somehow... That if you could just come here on the weekend and you can experience it in one of our two weekend experiences, that you could just experience this moment where you can feel like everything's going to be okay because God is real. That's really what we try to do here on Sundays is to help people love God. And it's a strong part of our vision. Matter of fact, that's the first, that's the first line of our vision, to love God. And then we have this other end. The other spectrum is that we serve with excellence and... Uh, we do a fairly good job with that. Matter of fact, it is said of most organizations that the Pareto principle reigns supreme, that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And, that, and that's what they say. That's called the Pareto principle, that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And I have seen that in times past. I have witnessed that here, even, even at our church. I have witnessed a time where really all of the ministry function and all the volunteering and everything we were doing was just handled by about 20% of the congregation and everybody else um, just didn't participate on that level. But the last time we ran... Uh, those particular numbers about our dream team and who is serving where and what's going on with our dream team, over 65% of our congregation, we could tag to say they volunteered somewhere in the previous week at our church. 65%, that's, that's certainly not 20%. And now it's not 100%. And we'd love for it to be 100%, especially in children's ministry. You know, I mean, the reality of it is, is that even right now, we probably could add 10 people to our children's ministry team to, to, to try to give some relief to those that are working their fingers to the bone and what are they getting as bony fingers, you know? And, and, so, and so, you know, that's the reality of it, you know? There was a time in our church where we, on a, on a weekend, would have 12 kids in children's ministry or less, 12 kids or less in children's ministry. And, and um, we have upwards of, of 50 kids at one time checked into children's ministry on a weekend. We have, we have 30 to 40 kids checked in in our Wednesday night experience to children's ministry. So, I mean, there's, there's certainly uh, available places there for us to serve, but we want you to serve with excellence. And so we train people. We make sure that you have tools, and we try to, we try to do everything we can do as a ministry to make ministry easy for you, that it's not difficult I've served, I've served in church work that was very difficult. It was just hard to do because we weren't equipped. It's like they want, you to, they want you to fill out a letter, but they don't give you pencils. They don't give you the tools that you need to make it happen. And so we strive very, very uh, diligently here at Triumph to facilitate ministry and to give our volunteers what they need in order to be successful in the area that they serve with excellence in. And so that brings us now 
to the focus of January. For you see, if there's anything in the last few years of operating under love God, connect with others, serve with excellence, if there's any, if there's any area that we, that we could probably step back even today and say we could, we could use a tune-up, is that middle part of the vision to connect with others. See, here's the reality of our church. Our church doesn't have the demographic that churches did in, in days gone by. In days gone by, a church would stand in the midst of a particular community and most of the people that went to that church were from that particular community and the surrounding um, lots and neighborhoods of that church. And many times people could just walk to church. They could just... They could just um, you know, they would go there. That was just a community meeting place. And, and they, they had a particular culture that they were already accustomed to that was just then brought into the church. And just, just everybody kind of knew everybody and kind of, you know, how that goes. And a lot of times that was even divided in denominations that, that uh, you know, you see the way towns are set up even today. If you were to drive into the old town of um, Glenpool or or jinx even, if you were to drive in there and you would see the cluster of churches that, well, there's one church, there's one church, there's one church, there's one church. And they were all kind of situated in a, a neighborhood-type setting where they're just people could just walk to them. And, and whatever your flavor was, if you were Southern Baptist, then you would go to First Baptist Church. If you were Pentecostal, then you might go to First Assembly. If you were Presbyterian or Methodist, you would go to whatever, and they were there, and, they were, and, and people then were kind of segregated within that particular demographic that when you got to that First Baptist Church, well, everybody there was, of course, Southern Baptist. And so you didn't have this, this feeling within the congregation that, that uh, there may be a differing of individual beliefs in certain areas. I mean, I know my grandmother was a, a wonderfully devout uh, Southern Baptist, and man, she was that to her core, to her dying day. And the people that she went to church were that to their core, to their dying day. And that's just the way it was. I'm not castigating that. I'm just saying that you have this demographic where people come together in kind of a segregated set, uh, setting. And in some communities, even, it even went beyond that. It went into even ethnicity. So, you know, everybody of particular ethnic uh, background would, would tend to gravitate to that particular congregation. And so that's just sort of where you went. And you had this thing in common with everyone, either by doctrine or by race or, or by denominational affiliation. You, you had something in common, but there was a shift in the 1980s that really, in my opinion, was kind of brought on by by the charismatic renewal where you had these people that were in mainline denominations that, that received this experience that the mainline denomination may or may not have agreed with. But these people, from whatever background they were, tended to, to now be disjointed from that, that um, demographic group, be disjointed from this thing that they had uh, been involved with and they found themselves in this realm that we coined then after the 80s, this realm of non-denominational churches. Non-denominational churches. And some people say, man, what is a non-denominational church? Well, it's, it's really a, a bunch of misfits. 
It's really, it's really a bunch of people that, that don't, really, don't really consider themselves any of those. Although they may have roots in those, they don't consider themselves any of those. And they find a way to worship together even though from seat to seat or from row to row there may be some differences in opinion as far as biblical interpretations. Now there's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, we would consider ourselves a non-denominational church. Because we do not have a denomination that is speaking down to us, sending us a liturgy book, telling us what we have to preach and what we can't preach. Well, at the same time, you have this demographic that has been somewhat of a weird deal for us here at Triumph because, uh, you know, it's amazing for a church our size that uh, we have, uh, at last count, 25 zip codes represented in our congregation. 25 different zip codes represented in our congregation. I mean, we have people from Claremore to Altmogi to Henrietta to Tulsa. So we have city dwellers and country dwellers. We have, we have begs and we have jinx. I mean, we have rural and we have suburban. We have all of these different makeups that you have you have people that ride horses and you have people who ride Harley Davidsons. You have people who know how to rope a cow. And you have other people who only know how to eat them. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like the it's like what how then how then do you build community in such an array of, of demographics that it's not, it's not old, but it's not young, it's not middle-aged, it's not, it's not country, but it's not city, but it's not suburban, it, it's not west side, it's not east side, it's not south, it's not north. It's all of it. It's everything. And you try to bring people together in that type of situation, which is probably the plight of most churches that consider themselves non-denominational. Because now you have this situation where people aren't coming here because you fly a particular flag out on, on the sign. They're, they're not coming here because they're a particular um, race, creed, or color. They're not coming here because they have a particular set of beliefs and they know that you have those beliefs as well because you're a part of that denomination. They don't come here because it's a cowboy church. They don't come here because it's a yuppie church, as we would say back when I was a kid. We don't come here as a result of that. Matter of fact, people don't mind commuting here. They don't mind commuting. People, the non-denominational church um, was an anomaly 25 years ago because suddenly people left their neighborhood to drive across town to a church. And people say, why are y'all driving across town that church? We got one right there. And other people say, man, you passed five churches. Why are you going so far to a church? It's because in that particular church, in that particular setting, whatever spiritual thing that those people need, they're finding it there, and they don't mind driving. 
They don't mind commuting. And so that's how you end up getting this, this mix. Now, that's a long runway for me to talk about what I'm about to talk about. So hopefully the flight is longer than the runway. I'm joking. Hopefully we can set this thing down pretty quick because here's the deal. This is what's beating on my heart. We just come out of the Christmas series and we're fixing to go into our um, beginning of the year series. And here's a bridge. Here's a bridge. One Sunday. It's a gap Sunday. You can preach anything you want on a gap Sunday. And I, and, and I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like this sermon doesn't go with either series. So you're just sort of standing in the middle. But yet I can't get my mind off of what's coming. Because this is the thing that, that I recognize about community. This is the thing that you've got you've to, you've got to, somehow or another, you, you've got to embrace this reality concerning community. Community requires personal responsibility. There is a personal responsibility that is tied to this thing called community. And when you live in an environment where community has everything in the world working against it, if you are not personally intentional about your involvement with community, then you are going to find yourself sitting in the wayside in a, in a life of isolation. That there is a personal responsibility that has got to grab a hold of the heart of God's people. That I am personally responsible for my involvement with what happens in community. And that if I find myself on the outside of community, then instead of examining the community to try to find what is wrong with the community... I must take personal responsibility to examine myself and see if there may be something wrong with me. Boy, y'all are about as quiet as first church was, but that's okay. See, I mean, I could talk about 2015 and we could talk about all of that, but really, my heart looks toward 2016, and if there is any desire that I have for our church and for all of you, I have a desire for you to recognize how important community is in the body of Christ. And where in your life can you draw the lines to involve yourself with that community in a meaningful way? Matter of fact, I believe this is the mandate of creation in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Bible says, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. See, here is this God, this creator God, who has lived in eternity in this perfect community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where there is no division and where there is perfect unity. And then God creates man in his own image. And when God creates man in his image, he placed within man all of these attributes and all of this nature of God. And then God steps back and says, it's not good for man to be alone. Having the very nature of God within this being requires 
that this creation dwell in community. And so God created a helper suitable for him. God recognized that it is not good for his creation of mankind to live in isolation. Matter of fact, I will say this, community never happens in isolation. Community doesn't just happen. There are plenty of people in our world today who live outside of community because they have withdrawn themselves and they live in isolation. And whether we like it or not, we were created for community. That's why I say today, healthy people have a tendency to group. Healthy people. Okay, we're going to dig just for a second, then all of you are going to be happy and we're going to go home in the rain. Healthy people have a tendency to group. Even in a rural setting, healthy people find a way to find each other. I mean, we go to the Oklahoma. Y'all ever gone out there to Oklahoma, the show? You know they closed, but back when it was open. You know, it always, don't it just crack you up to see how things used to be? I mean, the, you know, the stage there is kind of small, so you have to kind of broaden the horizon of your mind to remember that these people lived out on the nothing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was the nothing. Look at pictures from that time frame and, and look at just how much nothing was here. And they all got together for the barn dance. You know, what are they going to have a social? They're going to have a box social. And they found a way, even in that rural setting, even in a time where it was very difficult to connect with people, they found a way to make community happen. Because we were intended by God to group. There is an intrinsic thing about us that healthy people find a way to find each other. Matter of fact, One of the first symptoms of an unhealthy individual is withdrawal. They start to pull away. Many times, even after pulling away, they'll even even begin to blame community for their isolation. And it's a symptom of of an unhealthy moment that they're really thinking the way they should be thinking. They're not really doing the things that they should be doing. And they find themselves living in this world of isolation. They bubble themselves in. And, and there's reasons for that. Pain, disappointment, rejection. Looking for affirmation in the wrong places. They pull themselves back, and, 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 and it's a very unhealthy thing. And that's why I think that as a church, we have to value community. That, that this idea of connecting with others can't just be a motto that's on a sign. It's usually up here, but we have joy to the world still. It's not just a motto on a sign, but that something pulsating deep within the heart of the church is that we must group, that we must be together, that there is power in togetherness. And if we see somebody 
who seems to be on the fringe. If we, if we hear of someone that seems to have lost their way in community, then there is a responsibility on those who are healthy to do what they can to try to reach out to pull somebody back in. Love them back into community. I mean, I talk about the church, this ecclesia, the church. When Jesus said these words in Matthew 16, 18, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I will build my ecclesia. This church that the, even the gates of Hades won't overcome. This word ecclesia, church, literally means a calling out, a popular meeting, or specifically a religious congregation. When Jesus chose the word, he chose a word that has community in mind. See, I mean, this entire, this entire idea of, of separated lives and, 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 well, I'm a Christian but I, I, you know, I love, I love Jesus. I just don't like his kids very much. And this, this separation of people. I used to have a friend on Facebook, a heavy emphasis on use to have. You just have this guy, I don't, I don't know, he got on this tangent against the local church. He just got on a tangent against it. I mean, he, for whatever reason, it just was just bitter. And it just, it just rolled out of him. You know, these churches building buildings. These churches, they, all they want to do is add to their number. I'm through going to church. All I'm going to do is go out on the streets and I'm going to win people to Christ. And they don't need to go to church. They just need to go to Jesus. Well, you don't see that. In the New Testament church. Okay. I love, I, I love what Sister Elsa, she is the director of our Philippine, of our Philippine um, group, the, the ministry that, that we're a part of in the Philippines. And Sister Elsa, uh, man, we've gone there so many times. And every time we go there, they ask for a hundred more chairs, or two hundred more chairs, or five hundred more chairs, or a thousand more chairs. And they're like ten bucks a piece, so it isn't cheap. I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of chairs we've personally bought. I mean, I've bought a hundred chairs several times, I know, personally. And many others have in our church bought a hundred at a time. And, and I'll never forget, we were sitting in the meeting there at, at the main campus and, in, in the Philippines. And we're sitting around this table, and I, I'm sitting on the end. And, and, and Pastor Shane, the, uh, the, the president of the ministry from here in the United States, is sitting on the other end. Sister Elsa is sitting there. And we're all sitting there talking about the needs, the needs, the needs. And we kind of funneled our way down through the needs. And here we need this, and we need to build this, and we need to buy this, and we need to put tires on the on this van, and, and, and we need to do all of these things. And finally, Shane said, Sister Elsa, is there anything else you need? And she said, well, you know, Pastor Shane, we need a couple hundred more chairs. And in exasperation, Shane threw his hands up at the end of the table. He went, every time we come here, you ask for chairs. And Sister Elsa, in all seriousness, I mean, it washed over her countenance. In all seriousness, she looked at him and she said, Yes, but Pastor Shane, 
every chair is a soul. Because they understand that it's not just about going out there and getting someone to say the sinner's prayer. It's about going out there, yeah, go out there and get them to say, say the sinner's prayer. But you got to get them in here because it's in community where people become disciples. It's in community. The Bible talks about the five-fold ministry. The pastors and the teachers are included in that. And the Bible says that these pastors and teachers have an obligation to equip God's people for works of service. You cannot become a true disciple if you're not involved with the community called the body of Christ. And you know, this community idea. And you know, I mean, I applaud the efforts of anyone that's hitting the streets. I applaud the efforts of anyone that are, that are bringing people to a point of prayer and faith in their life. But listen, it's not just about building bigger buildings and having more chairs. Every chair represents an individual that needs to be discipled. So this idea of the global church translates itself into the local church. And mankind was created for community. And the community was created for purposes that can only be fulfilled in togetherness. Divine mandate in Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. The mandate for the community of mankind is that you be fruitful and increase in number. Tie that with Matthew 28, 19 and 20, the mandate for the church. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Making disciples is a community ministry. And this is where we fulfill the further mandate for the community of believers in John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. How do we have lasting fruit? We have lasting fruit within the confines of a community that is making disciples, that is baptizing them, which is a community ministry, that is teaching them. It's a community ministry. Tie that great commission with this idea of lasting fruit, and we recognize that we need the local church. And the local church needs to understand that we have a personal responsibility for community. We have a personal responsibility for community. Bearing kingdom fruit. And so going into what we are going to do in January concerning connect groups and other areas of our church. Going in there, I just wanted to come out today, last Sunday of the year, and declare that 2016 is the year of community for our church. The year of community. And I'm going to stand, and it's kind of weird, because I here lately I've been on this, I'm going to give you pastoral you know, what I call it, expectations. Oh, God. It's a, you know, it's a whole lot easier to pastor people when you don't expect anything. You know what I'm saying? 
And I said a few weeks ago that I had a pastoral expectation that, that you would meet and greet one another before and after services. Meet and greet one another before and after services. You would be intentional about that. What I'm asking you to pray about and what I'm, and, and you say, well, you know what? Uh, I think we have a, a guest in the house today. I, I, I found out I need, to meet, I need to meet you before you go. I think we have a guest in the house today that um, is up here visiting a relative from community, from, from, from a relative. You're there. I don't want to embarrass you. This is weird for me to even do this. Sorry, but she's got a family member up here in Cancer Treatment Center, and, and, and she's on her way back to Dallas, and she stopped here just to have a breath of Jesus on her trip home. And I hope you found him today. But I'll say this, I hope something I've said, I don't, know what, I don't know what your life is outside of here, and I don't know what you do in Dallas, but man, there's a lot of great communities of Christian believers in Dallas. I mean, everything's better in Texas, but you know how it is. I mean, I said that, I'm from Texas. See, that's why I wanted to meet you before you go. But um, most beautiful sight in Tulsa, Oklahoma is Texas flag flying over the Texas Roadhouse Steakhouse. But... Um, Come on, Kevin Hill, where are you when I need you? Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. Find a place, wherever you are, whoever you are. Wherever, maybe somebody in this house has backed away from the church because of pain. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to not, be, not want to be a part. I, I, I pastored a church for some time and didn't want to be among them. Just saying. Matter of fact, I, 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 you know, probably today I'm, I'm one of the only pastors in Tulsa that actually wants to go to church at his own church because of pain. I will say this, that I absolutely love this community. I love watching our pastoral team interact with this community. There's a love for this community on our pastoral team. You want to know how I know? Because we don't skirt away to our office after church. We're in the foyer. We're even on the parking lot. We're out there talking and laughing and hugging people's necks. Why? Because we, we love this community. There's life here. There's life in this community. I, I say with all honesty, I'd go to church here. Even if I didn't pastor, I'd go to church here because it's such a, such a good group of people. You're just good people. That's all there is to it. Good people. Now we have our, we have our baubles, don't we? We have moments. But the reality is we, we still love one another. And if you feel you're separated, some of you are right in the thick of community here, and you think, man, Pastor, I can't even imagine somebody feeling like they're, they're, they're separated. But can I say that I said this in first church. I'll say it again today. Purpose in your heart that in 2016, you're going you're gonna to live this, this mandate, this expectation from the pastor that we're going to focus on getting involved in community. That you know what, you're going to make yourself shake a hand even if you're scared to death to shake a hand. That you're going to you're gonna, you're gonna make yourself commit to connect with people even though that might scare you. It can be scary. There's, there's obligations and there's potential for being hurt. I mean, some people completely isolate themselves from the world. They live as hermits. And the reason why they do probably in a lot of cases because they've been so hurt that they, just, that they just say, forget it. Just forget everyone. I am begging you to not forget everyone. I am asking you with all of my heart to do whatever it takes to connect yourself with others and be a part of a functioning biblical community. 
as we are here at Triumph. And let this next year be the year of community in your life. That you make those vital connections. That you be faithful to those vital connections in your life so that your walk with God can grow. That's what I want more than anything for all of you. I want it more than anything. I want it for you. If you live in Dallas, I want it for you more than anything. Is that you find a place to be discipled and you grow in your walk with God. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to let you go. Texas, don't leave the house till I shake your hand. Nobody bother with me until I shake Texas' hand. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this reminder from your word that we have the opportunity to embrace one another even if it's difficult for us. I pray right now over every individual, over every person as we close 2015 out and we look toward 2016, I pray that in this coming year there is peace in their hearts and joy like never before. And I pray in Jesus' name that every person under the sound of my voice would find a way to make vital connections to become a disciple so that we can disciple even more and the body of Christ is built up and the kingdom of God is furthered. I pray for this thing called community and I pray your blessing on us as we strive to do your will in connecting with others. And I thank you for it all in Jesus' mighty name. Keep your heads bowed just for a second. If you're in the room, you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start.